Hi, my name is Anne McElhenney. And I'm Phil McAleer. Welcome to the Anne and Phil Scoop. It's 2021. Should all acquaintance build a Blasio dancing on the stage? It's 2021. It's week 41. That's 10 and a quarter months of the two-week flatten the curve lockdown. And we're back from going nowhere. And there's been a lot of news. Yes. Happy New Year. Yes. And the image definitely that, and Phelan has just ruined that moment for me there, but the image that will be left with me certainly for New Year's Eve yes. is of Bill, Bill de Blasio dancing with his wife in New York, uh, at, at Times Square in New York for the dropping of the ball for New Year's Eve. And if there was ever a tone deaf moment and a sad and pathetic moment, just have a look at this. Yes. That's him. That's so he said, everyone had to stay home. Oh God, stay home, stay home. We're all going to die. But he can go out and dance with his wife. And there's dance. something eerie, by the way, about the whole Frank him, him Sinatra. Dancing, dancing, dancing on a stage, that, uh, on a, in the middle of a city that he has emptied and destroyed yeah. and hollowed out. It's like I saw something on Twitter there. Uh, socialists or big government, they'll, they'll break your legs, give you crutches, and then say, look, I helped you walk again. You know? you know what else it reminded me of? <clears throat> we lived in Romania back in the day. We lived in Romania for seven years after after Romania got its liberation from communism. And I remember talking to people who had lived under communism in Romania and they would say that, you know, that there was parts of the city, really nice parts of the city, where only rich people could go. And they actually cordoned them off. Yeah. And you couldn't go there so that you'd never know. So like there was Herestrau, there was a beautiful park. That park was closed off from the regular public because a lot of posh people lived around there and they didn't want people to become to, dissatisfied. To know and how, so the, basically, how the elites were living. Basically, there you go. There's an example. There's Bill de Blasio and his wife dancing. Like, I mean, tone deaf. Well, the only thing that's different is here they can do it on TV and the media will cover for them. But then the state-run media... See, if only the communists had known that they, you know, that the media weren't this watchdog that they they will suck up to power. The one, the one good thing, by the way, about the the, the Blasio thing was that CNN had Andy Cohen and Andy, and Anderson Cooper. And can can I say how awful it is for me to say that CNN had a good thing? Yeah. But they do this kind of juvenile um, drinking of of tequila shots, which is just like what are we sixteen now? Yeah. But at one point, anyway, Andy Cohen kind of lost it and basically said, you know. What what is wrong with you? You know, yeah. to 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 Mayor de Blasio. So how was but our New had, Year? We had a very nice New Year's Eve. And um, my husband cooked for me because New Year's Day is my birthday. So just the two of us, we had really nice steak, and our neighbour had given us a rub that they had made. So that was actually really nice. I had really nice wine, and we had the last of the mince pies. Oh, and more wine. And more wine, and we don't love New Year's New Year's Eve anyway. But just, we had we had some great news on the last day of the new year. Oh my God, you gave us the best news of all. We had a donor who came forward and said they would help with the Hunter Biden Biden family project, the, yes. big, the big project we're doing next year. Yeah, yeah. And we just said to you, listen guys, would people help us with this project, with this massive project? And it's a, it was a matching grant, right? So that if you, whatever you gave, the, the donor would, would give, would match up to 25,000. And we thought, like we've got 15 days to raise 25,000 and it's Christmas, people are busy. And we did. Boy, I, think, we did. I think in total we raised 33,000. Like, Thank you so, so much, we, you we've guys. We've got $58,000. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of money. It's gonna make a lot of difference for the project. 
it's given us hope too that that we can make this project happen. That yes. this is going. That we this can is a make. bigger project than than even Gosnell. So yeah. we really do appreciate you guys coming coming up. So thank you to thank you to everyone who contributed. So how is the rest of the world getting on? Brexit has happened. So we, we'll, and later in the program, we'll be talking to James Dellingpole about the UK's future. Britain is now out of the European Union. New beginning or just the beginning of the beginning? Uh, we also ask, what's so wrong with Alec Baldwin having a fake Spanish wife? And <laughs> yeah, exactly. And well, the New York Times celebrates and celebrates and promotes a story of a vindictive young man who ruined a young woman's college dreams. What could possibly be the justification for the New York Times doing that? We'll get to that. And Greta Thunberg, I have to bring the news, has turned 18. And she doesn't want to tell you what to do anymore, apparently. So the, let me get this straight. So when Greta Thunberg was under 18, we couldn't say anything nasty about her. Can we say nasty things now? Because she was a child. But that young woman whose life has been ruined, you can say nasty things. We'll come on to that later. Yes, we will. Um, and we have a recipe for overnight oats that we are experimenting with. So we're going to be, we started it yesterday and we're going to finish it today on the patio. So you will have a look at all of that. And we have some recommended viewing. We do. Uh, so we'll, we'll let you know what we watched over Christmas and what we recommend and what we don't. So first, first of, of all, all, let's go to James Ball. Uh, James, James Dellingpole. Let's James go to James Dellingpole, who we spoke to earlier. Yes. So James, as you know, is a writer, a thinker. Uh, a, a humorist, a TV critic, columnist. Bre Britain has got a Brexit. We talked. We we talked to him earlier. It was a wide-ranging conversation, perhaps too wide-ranging. Uh, perhaps didn't. We wanted James to talk about Brexit. He didn't. So we, it's like corralling James and sheep. So let's go over to that interview. And so we're joined now by uh, journalist, columnist, podcaster, writer. Write about everything. Write about everything. Jim and our friend James Dellingpole. Hi, uh, James. Hello, James. Hi, Anne. Hi, Phelan. Happy New Year. Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year. Welcome James. to the Anne Film Scoop again. Yes. So, what's it? What's it like over there? Is it because it's really grim over here? It's pretty grim here. Uh, I mean, we were blessed by the weather here. Uh, until we weren't. Until we weren't. And so now, the sun is shining, but it's cold. But everything is closed. So the restaurants are closed, the bars are closed. And I would argue it's grimmer here because a lot of the buildings are still boarded up from, from the, either the BLM riots during the summer or the expected riots when, uh, when it's very funny, the Liberals thought that Trump supporters would riot if they lost the election and, and they didn't. The, the, the actual people who were going to riot were the, were the Biden supporters. So a lot of the buildings are boarded up, some are burnt out here from the riots, etc. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty zombified town here mm -hmm. in Los Angeles. What's it like there? Well, I mean, I, I live in the country, so, so the sheep are doing what the sheep have done even before the, the various lockdowns. And, but we've just like in a, what time is it now? Half past six, my time. Mm -hmm. So at eight o'clock tonight, Boris Johnson, our, our prime minister is, is going to announce another lockdown. And it's just crazy. There is no, there is no evidence to justify it. There's no evidence that lockdowns work. Mm -hmm. There is no evidence that masks work. And yet we're being treated with the kind of authoritarian tyranny that we grew up expecting only existed behind the Iron Curtain. It's, mm -hmm. it's like madness. There's no scientific data to, to, to justify these lockdowns or closing the schools. Mm -hmm. In fact, there's some scientific data to say don't close the schools. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's, it's not even that there's no data. 
it's like we had nine months to gather the data. I could understand doing something in March last year that that in retrospect uh, didn't work, or you know, because people it was it was a new they felt it was a new virus, new measures. But now we are nine months in. There there should be data at this stage. And by the way, you know, California is saying its hospital systems are overwhelmed. They have not added one intensive care bed in the nine months. It's interesting. Everyone, everyone stuck in their own private hellhole imagines that their country, their country's policy is uniquely horrible and stupid. And here I am talking to you in California. And what you describe is exactly what is going on in this country. The hospitals are making out that their intensive care units are, are overwhelmed. And actually, you look at the historical record and you find they are no more overwhelmed than any other, other year. I don't know if the hospitals here are empty or not, but it's very, that, that was a very interesting phrase you used. Uh, look at the historical record, right? One thing we can't get here is the historical record. No journalist is saying... Uh, during a re- during the, the worst during decade. the worst flu season that we've had in the last decade, the, this number of intensive care beds were used. Uh, now this this is so much worse because this number of intensive care beds have been used. We're just be yes. told it is overwhelmed and it's unprecedented. Or you know, and uh, it's like, well, if it's unprecedented, tell us the precedent. Tell us tell us how good it was. Because it's a good story. Past. It's tr- if it's true, it's a great story that you know that out of, for the last decade, nothing has like this has ever been seen or the and, last. And the fact decades. that the fact that journalists are not reporting it means that there's a story there. Interesting enough, it's journalism has been turned on its head. Uh, because when you when you see this story not being reported, you know there's a good story there. Everyone wants a story that isn't about the presidential election, that isn't about coronavirus, and they think, well, Brexit, that's kind of politics. So as you know, for the last four years, the the deep state, if you like, in yeah. the UK has been trying to ensure that the referendum, which voted overwhelmingly for Brexit, is not honoured. And they never wanted it to happen. And I think that's one of the reasons we're being punished so much in other ways now. So finally, Prime Minister Boris Johnson managed to find a He's negotiator, a guy, called, a guy called Lord Frost, David Frost, um, Led Zeppelin fan, we like him. He finally found a guy whose default position was not, let's surrender every last, last uh, part of, of, of Britain to the, the European Union satrapy. I'm sorry, becoming a satrapy of the European Union. Let, let's not surrender at every stage. Let's actually fight our corner. So Lord Frost did a, we don't know actually, because it's an incredibly long document, which I certainly have no appetite for reading. Uh, it, a, a lot of the, the kind of Boris's amen corner in the media, desperate for good news about this, this ailing conservative government, have been bigging up this, this Brexit deal as amazing. But then you start looking at the small print and you realise, for example, that the our fishermen, who's, we gave away our territorial fishing waters uh, in order to get into the European Union in the first place, into the, into the common market, it was then, then called. The, de Gaulle, for example, uh, France's president at the time, was very keen that we should be punished and, and that, that we shouldn't get easy entry, easy access. So we had to make all these concessions, including selling our fishermen down the river. And lo, what's happened now in this, in this new deal? Well, our fishermen have got maybe what, 
half a fish extra, you know, <laughs> maybe two fish, maybe three fish, but not, but not many. Um, so our fishing industry has still been shafted. Um, but, but really, let's just, just take a step back. Why is it that 17.4 million of us voted to leave the European Union? Why did we get so, so happy on Brexit day when we woke up in the morning and realized we'd won? It was because we, we, we believed at the time that Britain would now have an independent uh, future mm-hmm. outside the sclerotic, over-regulatory, communistic, yeah. doomed, expensive entity that is the European Union. Yes. Uh, what do we find in 2020? We find that far from far from becoming the kind of the singapore the the the, the freebooting free trading singapore of europe yes. we are now we've got boris johnson talking about his 10 point green revolution we know that the green revolution is is just like everything that the european union believed in and and worse we've got boris Boris inflicting on us all these grand projects, these white elephant pro- projects like HS2, this, this railway system that we don't need because people don't need to commute to the cities anymore because coronavirus has killed all that. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've got this government which has been spending so much money in order to bribe people to stay at home for this kind of pretend, pretend um, you know, pandemic that we're supposedly suffering from i suppose what i'm saying is that we've left people used to say that we had to get out of the european union because it was like fleeing a burning building we had to get out before it was too late so we've left the burning building and instead as soon as we've got outside boris has chivered us all into the towering inferno it's this is why i don't want to talk about brexit because i think if you if you get excited about brexit you are playing the enemy's game yeah. You are engaging in their distraction politics yeah. to distract us, us from the, the, the new world of misery that Boris and his administration have taken us into. I hear what you're saying. Uh, to, to misquote Churchill, it's not the beginning uh, and it's not even the beginning of the beginning. It's, it's kind of... The end of the end. No, the, bra- the beginning bra- of Brexit, the end. Brexit was... Yeah. was the th- Brexit this was- is the end. Beautiful friend. Brexit was the was the was the, was the mechanism that will allow the beginning to start. But it's it's up to the British people, the British politicians, to begin yeah. uh, to begin the beginning. What happened to Boris? We had such high hopes for Boris. A lot of people are, are saying now. A lot of the kind of the the, the smart thinking on on oh, Boris oh, is oh. that. Why did you ever imagine he was a libertarian? Why did you ever imagine he was a classical liberal? He was always a green. He was always interested in bigger government. He was, et cetera, et cetera. And the answer to that is, yes, you are right. But the people who said Boris is a libertarian were also right. The people who said he was a classical liberal is also right. You can go through the reams of articles that Boris has written over the year, and he's represented all of these positions and more. The problem with Boris is ultimately he doesn't believe in anything. He has no ideology. His only ideology is Boris Johnson. And that's a problem when you want what you really want is a politician 
who can, who actually, like, like Margaret Thatcher, somebody who believes in something. Boris believes in nothing. You used to and believe in him. You used to believe in him. You loved him. Oh, for a minute. So many of us did. Years. So many of us did. Yeah, yeah. And I, 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 I tell you what, that, that is, that is Boris derangement syndrome. It is, it's not like Trump derangement th syndrome, which is, which is kind of, I irrational I people become fixated on orange man bad and ignoring all his 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 incredible achievements with boris it's the other way the other way round that boris derangement syndrome is the realization that this guy who who you loved for being for his mop of of, of disheveled blonde hair he was kind of he was a joker, and and there are all these this, this, these videos on YouTube of Boris doing amusing things, like when he throws the basketball backwards at the hoop, and it actually goes in, yeah. and things like that. And you think, I love this guy. He's authentic. He's 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 funny. He's optimistic. And when when you see through the act, yeah. all those qualities which you found endearing and engaging and charming suddenly become incredibly irritating. I imagine it's a bit like when you get divorced and the things that, all those characteristics that you, you thought initially won you over to your partner or you, you treat it as amusing quirks, suddenly become the things that make you want to tear your hair out. Yeah. And that's how those of us feel who used to love Boris, but now don't. We've got Boris derangement syndrome. I, I mean, I admit it, I have. I think he's just about the most annoying thing in the world. Yeah, I mean, the one thing about Trump was, and, and of course, this no one, no one ever reported this. Trump had policies. Uh, you know, Trump actually, you know, people called it racism, but Trump had policies on immigration. Trump had policies on trade, and I'd never heard either the left or the right in America discuss trade in the way Trump discussed trade and broke down trade agreements in the way that Trump broke down trade agreements. Well, you know, he was he was one of the greatest um, presidents ever, and he will be even better in his second term, which you're, you're clearly denying is going to happen. But um, I'm sorry, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to throw it in there. I'm still holding out hope. I cannot believe that America is going to allow its president, it, the Oval Office, to be occupied by a senile crook in the pay of the of the CCP. I don't see how it's going to happen. No, we're, we're, this has been recorded before uh, before Wednesday. Before, before Wednesday. Wednesday, it's been recorded just on you know. So we'll see what happens on Wednesday. Uh, obviously, there's a long time between now and the 21st of January. My money is on Joe Biden uh, occupying the Oval Office. Not that we like it. Not yeah. that we like it at all. But no, but you live in California, so you've been corrupted. I mean, been yes, totally, totally. Um, so yeah, well, California, you either leave or you or you get corrupted, and, and you know, because all our friends are leaving, so we're we're here. And we're Why aren't you in Texas yet? Surely that's the all. I maybe I'd be moving to South Dakota or what, you, what are you, the you, other you song? Midnight Train to Georgia. So that's Phelan's yeah. problem with leaving California is a song called Midnight Train to Georgia. Listen to it, folks. Um, and that you'll understand. Phelan feels like that it would be an abject failure for him no, to take an, a train. An admission of failure. Admission of take failure. that midnight train to Georgia. Uh, um, you know, going back to a simpler time, etc., etc. I don't want to. I have, a, I have a theory on 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 California that there's got to become some kind of inflection point where, because I imagine that 
property is tanking in California right now. Apparently not. What's happening now in California is people from New York and from Northern California are moving to LA and to Southern California. Yes. So lefties are li that have been living in places Shows. where they weren't happy are now moving. Apparently, this is what this is what real estate agents are telling and us. And there's always a market for you know elite properties at the coast, right? So this is you know California is a, a coastline. So you know you know the. This is what America or these these states will become are, you know. But just so you know, Uber, the Uber rich uh, living with the Uber poor servicing their gardens and their homes and, and, and so all just that. so you know, James, I have I'm spending a lot of time looking at uh, property porn in areas that are not California. Um, this I'm is my not. new this is my new thing now, and saying to Phelan, you know. We could be living in now. Funny enough, now South Dakota, and no offense to people in South Dakota, I just I've had enough winters in my life, but not cold. to want another winter, or not to do winter in South Dakota. I've been to North Dakota in winter. They buy electric gloves. Electric gloves. That's okay. how cold it is. What about, isn't Florida a good compromise? You see, the problem with Florida now, and I'm just going to tell you the problem with Florida again, big shout out to all our friends in Florida. We love Florida. One of us really loves Florida. But Magda has a massive problem with Florida. And here, actually, this is a good one, actually, James, because I do this with people very regularly. Some people get it. Because some people get it. Actually, one person got it the other day. So I ask people, people ask about, would we move to Florida? And I said, well, we've got the problem. Magda won't move. So then I, the question is, what do you think Magda's biggest problem with Florida is? Fingers on the buzzers there, James. Is it mosquitoes? No. no not bad. No, but we do appreciate the direction you're going in. We'll give you yes. another one. One more go. Alligators. Winner! Very Winner. good there, James. Yeah. Now, I actually didn't even know that there were alligators in them. Um, there's Phelan grabbing the cat. So Magda's main problem with Florida is alligators. Funny, my main problem with, with Florida is uh, the extreme heat. That's a cat there That's now. That's a cat, yeah. Um, extreme heat, actually, obviously. That's top cat, You know, for about five months of the year, yeah. it's, I think, unbearable, actually, in most parts of Florida. But yeah, no, Magda has alligators. Okay. Alligators, number one. The other problem with Florida, it's completely flat, so you can't go hiking, which, by the way, to me, would be actually a positive. Yes. <laughs> I'd be like, I'd be saying... That's well, my that's, kind of hiking, that's actually. That's my kind of hiking, none. Um, Is there anywhere in the U.S., that has the climate of California, no, isn't no. California. It's even more than that, James. So we've actually worked out, and Magda has worked this out because she really is very focused on this. Nowhere on the planet Earth has a climate like California. And we have been looking. Um, maybe there'll be an island. I don't know, Mallorca maybe? Maybe, but yeah, who wants to live there? But we'll talk about Mallorca another day. But um, actually, later today, we're yes. going to talk about Mallorca. But um, yeah, the, that's the problem. That's the problem. Yes, we're going to talk about Mallorca because you, you know the story about Mallorca in the news at the moment? No, tell me. Alec Baldwin married a woman called Hillary... Hilaria. 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 Tapas. She's Spanish. She's as Spanish as you and I are, James. I meant. Yeah, yeah. In fact, by the way, I don't know enough about you. Oh, there no. might well be more Spanish in well, you. Your father is French, isn't he? Or... Oh, is your father French? I, I would love to be able to fake being Spanish, but I, I, I don't know a word of, 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 of Spanish apart from dos cerveza. Yeah, so, so how, will, how, how will Brexit affect people like Ilaria Baldwin, who are fake Spanish when they want to go to the UK? Can, you, can, you, no, can you update us? What does the agreement say on that, James? I don't know. I, Clearly, it's the issue that matters. How will Hilaria 
<laughs> Hispanics like hilarious. Sorry, can, do, you, do you mind a little bit of respect here, James? It's Ilaria. 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 Yeah. And I actually think, by the way, it's a good what? one. That, it's a good one that the EU should be actually should be forced to answer this question. What about people who self-identify as Europeans? Um, you know, surely, you know, surely that should be a consideration. What's that? Well, you know, people who are self-identifying as Europeans and who would like to be able to live, yeah, for example... Trans, Trans-Europeans. Trans Trans-Europeans. Trans-Euros. Trans I'm finding myself... Because we, we, we in, in Europe have a similar problem that you in, in, you in America or California have. We're all looking across at the countries and saying, which is going to be the least... The least screwed up in the coming in the coming well, actually funny enough that's an interesting and question and i know this is completely off topic but that's fine because as you say podcasts are meant to be free-ranging but here's a question james because i know because i listen to your podcast and i know and i listen to you You've and toby i've got a cat attacking me that's fine and my que- and you have been looking to exit brexit as in exit the uk where 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 are you yeah. thinking of where are you thinking of now this thing is it it gets really difficult number one i've got a problem called the wife and the wife is very reluctant you see this is the problem when you've got when you're married to somebody else yeah you know, it wouldn't be great if we just marry ourselves but when you're married to somebody else they have they have they don't have the same opinions as you and i think my wife is is, is she's happy with england even though i don't think the problem is with wives they don't realize just how bad things are going to get they, they're still stuck in the old paradigm that's number one um number two children you know, you're, uh, you're kind of casting adrift from your children. Oh, you don't have children. You have adults. You have young adults now. No, I think he's children. Yeah, I know, but they're, st- they're still my babies. Yeah. What's, what age is your oldest? Or youngest? What age is your youngest? Yeah, I know. I, I know that. I know that. I, I know they're old. They're, they're grown ups to you, but but. No, this they, is what's this is what's wrong with Western civilization. Is is the infantilization of young adults, and I expect better from James yes. telling Paul. I just I just want to make make one sort of mildly interesting point, which is what's interesting is that. Well, you, you, you guys grew up this side of the pond, didn't you? Yes, yes, indeed. When we were, were growing up, we looked across at what was happening in Eastern Europe with, with horror. They were like sort of cave dwellers. They, 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 yeah. they could barely get access to genes. And, and, and the, they listened to terrible rock music because it was all they could get hold. They, could all, you know, they were grateful when really bad rock artists came across the board. They loved David Hasselhoff, yes. They had, ter- yeah, they loved David Hasselhoff. They, they had terrible cars. Now I look across to the old Eastern Bloc countries like Poland, uh, Bulgaria, uh-huh. um, Romania, and I see places that are, that are vibrant and optimistic and, and are, are actually more civilized than, than the kind of countries that we used to admire, like France. I mean, France is a basket case. You remember, when we were growing up, France was like the, the apogee of Western civilization. You know, Paris was the most glamorous city on earth. You wouldn't want to go to Paris now. I mean, it's covered in shit. It was, it's like, like LA. Um, it, it, it's, uh, and you, you, you probably get blown up or stabbed by, by terrorists. But in these countries, there are these illiberal elites living in the cities who just like everywhere else, direct a lot of the policy. You know, there's a war going on in these countries, and I'm not sure that 
uh, old-fashioned values are winning. I think liberalism is on the rise in Eastern Europe. Now, there's a, at least there's a fight back there. At least there's a culture war there in some of the places. But we saw it with the gold mine in Transylvania. We made the documentary about it. A lot of that was led by these, and you make that point, Anne. Nowadays, you can have these elites in Indonesia, Romania, Bulgaria, and they Taiwan. All, they and, all sound the same. And they all sound, and they all look the same. The internet has allowed a lot of bad ideas to become global, you know. By the way, can I just mention, James, that Magda made um, a, a rude um, hand gesture when you mentioned Poland um, as being a, 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 in a positive light. Uh, but she's, uh, she's, you know, nobody... But she's uh, very bitter. Uh, whatever, the Irish, you know... Oh, well, no, tell me, tell me about that. Tell me, tell me briefly about that, because I'm, I'm open to... In okay, one moment now, tell Magda, me, tell me. Magda, tell us what's wrong Our with... Uh, what's wrong with sure. Poland? We're locked down. We're having a lockdown. They have a total lockdown right now. Doesn't that make it just like everywhere else, James? Yes, it does. No, okay, well, I surrender that point. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm always happy to surrender a point when I'm, I'm coming from a position of, of, of ignorance. It's a real shame, by the way. It's a real shame because Poland has a young population and, you know, you would like, wouldn't it be nice if there were somewhere, if there was some place that we could yeah. go to? Uh, but just going back to that point, and I think we need to wrap up quite soon. Um, is there anywhere, if you, if you um, in your fantasy, when you're looking at property porn that your wife doesn't know about, where were you thinking of? What was, where was your money on to move to? Switzerland always seems quite oh, stable. Grim. It's got mountains. At the end of the day, if, if, Humorless. if, if ever we're socialist, you might as well go so, somewhere socialist with mountains or nice weather. I'm trying, nice to remember, weather. I'm trying to remember my memory of going to Switzerland one time, and I think I came away thinking humorless was the top word. Expensive is another thing. Are we living in, in, in St. Petersburg in, in 1917? I mean, if, if we're living there, we've got how many years of... Of, of communist tyranny and, and um, of Stalin's bloodlettings and, and seven, destruction seven of years. kulaks. 70 years, I think. Um, 70 years. I mean, yes. That's longer than we've got left, isn't it, guys? Uh, a little, a little bit longer. Yes. So, well, I just wanted to, I just have here the lyrics of um, Midnight Train to Georgia and the opening line, and this is, this is why I am not, this is why I'm reluctant to leave LA because I, I don't want to hear these lyrics in my, coming behind me as I get on the plane, the midnight plane to Georgia. It's, the opening line is, LA proved too much for the man, too much for the man. He couldn't make it, so he's leaving the life he's come to know. He said he's going back to find what's left of his world, the world he left behind. You know, no, I'm not. Absolutely not. Well, maybe you can <laughs> recall, recall Governor Newsom. Newsom. Go Governor Newsom. Well, yeah. well we're so hoping, we hope so. We never really got talking about Brexit. So Brexit, so you're, distraction, the war, James the says. war goes on, James. You're, you're saying that was just the declaration of hostilities, or the kind of the war came out in the open with Brexit, and now. Yeah, no. I'm saying that. Yeah, the, these struggles. I, I, I think you hinted at it. I mean, it, it, I, I'd love to be able to go on, but we've, obviously we've got you know time constraints. But you talked about the elites. And that is the problem, isn't it? There is this, this amorphous global, shadowy global elite. Yeah, in, in America, you've got the incredibly corrupt Obama and Hillary Clinton, for example. Not that I, not that I want to get Arkansas or anything, but, but you know, she, she's... Uh, uh, you've, got, you've got this new generation like uh, Mark Zuckerberg. You've got 
Bill Gates, and, and they seem to have their equivalent across across the world. Yeah. And it's like they make the rules. Yes. I mean, it's enough to turn one into a revolutionary, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, or, or to um, buy more bit, Bitcoin. Did you have you bought any Bitcoin? I have, but how many have you got? Some? No, no. no. I've got some. The, the, I, I tell you, the problem with it is it's it's a bit like a curse. So, I've got. Um, I bought some Bitcoin and obviously it, it jumped up in value. Yeah. But what you find when you've got Bitcoin is that however much you've got, you just, all you do is hate yourself for not having bought more. You don't think, <laughs> Oh, I've just made this amount. And then, and then also the other problem is you wonder when, when to sell it. Yes. Should you sell it now when it, when it's at $35,000 or when it's, it's, it's dropped to 30,000 today, or should you, should you hodl until it goes to, yeah. It's funny you say that because I we allegedly know someone who has a lot of Bitcoin, and they're living in a in a in a in a, in a hovel in the huddle, uh, and uh, and I'm and this our friend is saying oh he's got loads of Bitcoin he's got loads and I'm going if he had loads of Bitcoin he wouldn't live there and our friend says no no when you own Bitcoin you will not sell it because you think it's going to a million dollars, and uh, and that is a that's an that's an illness that's a disability that belief actually yeah you you become like Silas Mana with his with his sort of his gold collection you just you don't want to yeah you're right it's 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 a burden it's in fact i found this generally i found this generally with money i found that the periods of my life when i haven't got money okay so you feel eaten up with worry and stuff about the future but when you've got a chunk of money it suddenly becomes a real problem you're wondering how to invest it or whether your investments are it's just like it haunts you yeah, yeah, no, no, I can a, see why rich people are unhappy. Yeah, yeah, and that, talking about unhappy, Anne has just been attacked by the cat. Well, happened? no, I no, I was I was fighting with him, and I deserved it. <laughs> you got like a, okay. Ne- next podcast, I will try and bring my cat in because okay. uh, you uh-huh. like your, him a lot. What's your Ernie. Cat Ernie. He's called your, Ernie, and he's. Do you know? Have you ever come? Have you ever met a British blue? No, no. What's a British There's blue? Top cat. There's Top Cat. There's Top Cat. Shall I? Shall I just see if I can find him in the last yeah, second? Okay, you so see you if you can find him, and then you'll see him. You wait there. I'll I'll try and find him. Oh, jeez. Oh, hello, hello, Top. Hello, Top. Top, look here. That's a blue. It's lovely. Beautiful. Well, James, cat. where can people get you? The Delling Pod. D E L I N G P O D. Delling Pod. You know, it's the usual places on, on YouTube and stuff. And um, You also do a great podcast with Toby Young as well. Yes. That's Lockdown Skeptics. I, I tell you what, I've really um, branched out massively into loads of podcasts. I've got another one, regular one now, with um, Laura Perrins called Chinwag. Chinwag, Chinwag. With, with James and Laura. Patreon, James Dellingpole. And that's D-E-L-I-N-G-P-O-L-E. Or subscribe star if you don't, if you're, if you don't like Patreon or whatever. Thanks very All much right, for coming James. on, James. Thank and, you so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Well, that was fun. Yeah, wide that. ranging. Very wide ranging. Very, yeah. And he's very fun. And you can, and as we said, you can get James at the Delling Pod, um, and it's everywhere. It's everywhere. So, uh, Alec, so this was. I actually think the Alec Baldwin Ilaria story was like a gift over Christmas. People are quite down the the COVID hasn't gone away in fact if anything it seems to be back with uh, you know roaring with a vengeance all the news seems to be bad news and it was almost like a gift like a miracle actually like a kind of a Christmas New Year's miracle it was that Alec Baldwin's wife it turns out Alec Baldwin's wife has a story what's her story Phelan what's her name first now so her name is Ilaria 
Ilaria. 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 So that's what she says. So it was a great Christmas story. Uh, I think we all need a Hillary Baldwin story, or should I say Ilaria or Hillary? No, Ilaria. So it's Hill spelled. No. no let's go. Let's get. I'm getting ahead of myself. So it's a story of stolen identity, <coughs> stolen oppression, stolen victimhood from people who are not really victims or oppressed. Uh, it's also a story of media enthralled by celebrity, uh, but actually more importantly enthralled to those in power and not wanting to rock the boat and desperately, desperately, desperately wanting to cover up for one of their own. And when I mean one of their own, I mean uber liberal, uber powerful Alec Baldwin. So actually just before I start, I need to declare as an interest or whatever, what do they say, you know, uh, in, the, in the interest of full oh, that's disclosure. That's right, that's right. That, uh, you, have a, you have a history, you have a past have, with Alec Baldwin. I have a film. past with Alec Baldwin. Tell us about your past with uh, Alec my, Baldwin. Why we can want talk. No, um, it was crazy. Uh, I was experimenting, what can I say? Um, just before I start, okay, so, yes, actually Alec Baldwin has a very weird interest in me, not that kind of interest. Uh, he, is, he is the president of the Hamptons International Film Festival, um, and apparently, this is, this is, I think, of 2013 or something. They wanted a fracking debate. This is, shows you how old this story is, because they actually wanted to... They, they actually well, thought... they, they claimed, thought, Yeah, they, they, thought about, the they thought for a minute about having a debate, right? So they asked the Independent Oil and Gas Association to nominate someone to give the other side, you know, the side of the landowners and the side of the locals who don't see fracking as a way of pushing an anti-fossil fuel agenda or don't see fracking as a, as a way to push a bogus lucrative lawsuit. So... The IOGA, the Independent Oil and Gas Association, nominated me because we have made Frag Nation, uh, the documentary. So, poor, poor Alec Baldwin. Uh, he he just turned out to be one of those liberals who say, you know, who used to say actually, they used to remember back when liberals used to say, we love diversity and robust exchange of ideas until they realise, oh, those conservatives and people like that, they actually do have different ideas to me and they can argue them. So he withdrew the invitation when, when they nominated me. I don't know who, the, who he thought was, the, was going to go there. I don't know. And then went on a bizarre Saturday afternoon Twitter rant, you know, you know, and I've never met. And we're going to we're going to put those we're going to put those tweets up on screen so you can yeah. see them just to realize how completely off the off the reservation, Salem yes. made Alec Baldwin is, go. Why are you such a shill for gas companies? Fair enough. Well, you know, your documentary has laughed at still at industry valentine. Who's so paying I'm going to try that again, just so we would slow down. Your documentary is a laughably stilted industry valentine. Who's paying you? And it's like... And by okay. the way, you know who paid us, by the way? You paid us, the public. We actually raised money for the Frack Nation documentary online on a, in a fabulous crowdfunding campaign. Yeah, two hundred fifteen thousand. Two hundred fifteen thousand dollars, which was just great. We, you know, we here we were these, you know, people from Ireland coming to America to make a, a documentary about the oil and gas business and thinking this is a great story. People should, people might want to see this. And people turned up. How many people funded that documentary? Like uh, 20? 3,000. Oh, 3,000. Yeah. Just fantastic. Okay. Yes. Then, then he says, then he, you know, this is the guy who pulled me off the debating panel that he was, that he was organizing and then said, come debate me, Phelan, you lumpy old gas whore. Right? And it's like, as lumpy I said. Lumpy old gas as whore. As I said to him. Very hurtful. As film. I said to him, like, you've just pulled me off. I'll, I'll go anywhere to debate you. Phelan, you're a dreadful filmmaker, but come debate me, you tired old bullshitter, actually. Wow. 
you know, so, and then, and then I wrote to him, I said, are there two Alec Baldwins? Earlier today, you refused to allow me on a debating panel. Now you challenge me to debate. And it's like, then he, he did the, the time-honored thing of blocking me. Ah, right. there you go. And then he made fun of my name. I can't so find that. Bring, so this is Phelan's history with Alec Baldwin. So then when Alec Baldwin became a massive story over Christmas, yes. we became well, very interested. Yes. No, but I mean, to be fair to Alec Baldwin, he's, he's interesting in some ways as, uh, you know, he, he did stick up for his friend Woody Allen, uh, you know, when he was being railroaded and cancelled uh, because Uber. So, uh, you know, Alec Baldwin, is, he's an interesting person. Uh, as, as Lisa Page said about Donald Trump, he is so very interesting. He did. He stuck up she, for Woody Allen. She didn't have an accent when she said that. I don't okay. know why Phelan put an accent on, but she didn't have it's, an accent. It's a season for fake accents. It is, apparently. Uh, when Woody Allen was being railroaded and cancelled because of Uber liar Mia Farrow accused him of sexual abuse in the middle of an acrimonious divorce, uh, all these actors said, oh, I regret ever working with Woody Allen. I'll never work with him again. All these cards. And, and Alec Baldwin said, He's been railroaded and he's my friend and I don't believe these allegations and I'd work with him tomorrow. So to be fair, That's, he's I'm impressed and with actually that. interesting, I've had a brush with Miss Farrow as well. Mm. Uh, you, you'll remember Miss Farrow fought for the rights of impoverished dis, uh, indigenous people everywhere with, um, with her going to the Chevron, going to the Ecuador and putting her hand in the oil patch and saying Chevron must pay and all. Uh, and, but it turns out that she actually got paid $188,000 to go to see to help the indigenous people. Yes, and I we. Uh, that's I, the kind of. By the way, can I just interrupt Philip and say that that's the kind of charity work I would like to do. I'd like to be involved very much in representing indigenous people everywhere and anywhere that anyone would like to give me one hundred eighteen thousand yeah. so, dollars. Uh, I made a play. I made I a play uh, called the eighteen billion dollar prize, yes, you which did. which featured Miss Farrow in her oily hand seen around the world. And, uh, you know, actually, funny enough, penny for penny, that, that 188,000 might have been their most lucrative gig of her career, or one of them, you know. But enough about me. Um, uh, let's talk about Ilaria. Ilaria. So Ilaria is Alec Baldwin's wife. Yes. So she's Spanish, is she, Phelan? She's a Spanish yoga teacher in New York. A Spanish yoga teacher in she's New York. She's so pure. Nice. She's so pure. When she first met Alec Alec, Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. She didn't know who he was. I don't know. I don't know who he is. I, I, I don't know who he is. Who are you? Who are you? Almost death. And the reason she didn't is interesting. I don't know. Have a television. Yeah, she grew up on an island off Spain. I know. Have with a television. No television, so she didn't know anything about pop I'm culture. not sure they had electricity. We'll come to that later. But she is Spanish. Did I mention she is Spanish? She's Spanish. That's uh, Hilaria. Let's hear her talk about being Spanish, and. Uh, how she forgets an English word because she's so Spanish. Let's let's hear her talk about her family coming from Spain for the wedding. And I'm not just saying this because it was my wedding, but it was the best party ever, oh, ever, ever, on. ever. I had like 35 or 40 of my family members come from Spain, which equals really good party, <laughs> really good party. We had it was just absolutely incredible. There you go. The family came. Lovely. Isn't that lovely? You get a whole family. Huge the number came. And then the of wedding. course um, the wedding respected her. Uh, it did. And celebrate it. Here her we Spanish have her. Here's photographs of her at her wedding. Her and look at her heritage. beautiful, the mantilla. Man mantilla. No, mantilla. 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 She's got the mantilla. She Latino. also has the flamenco. The flamenco fan. Very important. Which you can buy. And also Which she Everyone has, in Ireland had one of those. She names. has also the, the ring that they had together had the inscription inside, you're made for me or something, yes. in Spanish. Espanol. In Espanol. Espanol. So, and of course, you know what it, how it is when English is your second language. You, sometimes you sometimes confuse. Sometimes you forget names. Yeah. You know let's, you forget let's hear her Let's hear her struggle. Forget. Struggle with the English language. Uh, Ilaria's struggle. That's really the name of her book. Ilaria's struggle. Okay. 
We have very few ingredients. We have tomatoes. We have, um, how do you say anything? Cucumber? Cucumbers. We have... Um... You know the way it happens. Yes. And let's hear Alec Baldwin talk about just how hilariously Spanish she is because those foreigners are really funny. <laughs> His wife, the Spanish okay. lady. Let's listen to that. Yeah, okay. So, for example, my wife's on the phone with her hairdresser or her friend. She's like, really? Okay, I can't wait to see you. That's going to be great. Fantastic. What time? 12 o'clock? My wife is from Spain. Mm -hmm. And she said, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And blah, blah, blah. I don't mean to be racist when I put that accent on there, by the way. You know, it goes on and on and on. It goes on and on. And, you know, so she, she was described as one of the 15 best-dressed Latina stars of the week. Two interviews in Hola Magazine, which is described Hola as... Hola Magazine, by the way, is Hello Magazine for Spanish people. I think, actually, Hello Magazine is Hola Magazine I think for you're English actually people. Right. I think Hola Magazine was... It started with Hola Magazine. Yes. Anyway, very good. It's a yes. very important publication. And we, she told... We, hairdressers everywhere would be distraught without... Hola magazine and hello magazine. Yes, she told Vanity Fair España, España that her family couldn't pronounce her family couldn't pronounce her Spanish family couldn't pronounce her new surname. So she actually said she had to say to the family from Spain Baldwin, 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 Baldwin. Eventually, by the way, the family were able to say it. They went, oh, Baldwin, and so then they could say the name. And of course. Uh, She's so Spanish that she gave all her f children. Her, she got five children now. All her children, five children. Spanish all her names. Spanish names. Chiriso, is it? What is it? Tapas. Uh, Barcelona. Um, uh, Marco. Oh, breakfast burrito. Breakfast burrito. So they all have these Spanish names, yes. which we don't have right now. Mucho gracias. Mucho gracias. Mucho gra gracias. Maybe Magda get the names, but something like that, right? Something along those lines, right? And uh, then let's hear her say that she moved. This is a very interesting one. And, you know, this shows that she's clever, clever, like stupid, like a fox. Or what is it? Clever, like a fox or whatever. Um, she lets her imply, almost state that she moved to the U.S. from Spain at 19. Let's hear it. So and you moved one here with your parents? No, no, no. I moved here when I was 19 to go to NYU. Ah. And from? From my family lives in Spain. They live in my Europe. Okay. Mm. You know, I, I want to go over, you know, you know, they said to her, so you moved here with your parents. She says, no, 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 no. I moved here when I was 19 to go to New York, uh, NYU. Ah, from where? And she goes, from, and then she goes, my family live in Spain. They live in Mallorca, Mallorca. Oh, oh, you know. Very good. From, my family lives in Spania. Yeah. They so, live in Mallorca. So then that's what she explained. As you heard, she explained, that's why you wouldn't know the pop culture. And that's why she didn't know Alec Baldwin. And actually, very interesting. This is a a tried and tested way of getting uh, men of a certain age interested in women is uh, celebrities. I've never heard of you. Yeah, I've never heard of you. Uh, never saw Yoko you Ono famously used it with John Lennon. Never heard she of him. She used it, uh, E. Larry, I used it with Alec Baldwin. And actually, I feel like Kevin, the Kevin Bacon of conservative uh, filmmaking here, because I actually have an interest, I have a connection with Yoko Ono as well. The reason Alec Baldwin said he withdrew me from the fracking debate was because I allegedly assaulted Yoko Ono. And can I say that while you didn't assault Yoko Ono, one of us almost did. Oh, at the... Because uh... what happened was, it's kind of a funny story. We're walking along to go to the premiere of Gasland 2. And as we were going there, I said to my husband, don't lose the plot. Don't go nuts. Don't get aggressive. Try to be calm. And then we went there. On we the were red in the, carpet. We were at the red carpet, lined up at the red carpet. One of us 
lost the plot completely. I, what about cancer? You're now withdrawing your claims about breast cancer and abomination. Don't touch me! The reason I lost the plot was because uh, the documentary lied about breast cancer. So I actually think lying about breast cancer is pretty much like the worst thing you could possibly do. And making people worry that they got breast cancer because they were living in the Dallas-Fort Worth area is just despicable. How can you lie? How can you lie? So I did kind of lose the plot. I didn't hit Yoko Ono, but I certainly hit her with my voice. Yes. And I, funny, I my husband's looking at me like, what happened to you? No, but I wasn't quite like the character in The Exorcist. But I was about one point back before yes, the head one, starts spinning. Three, whatever the one Richter point, scale is. One for point back before the head starts spinning childhood. and the green stuff comes out. They're not letting us in. They're not letting us in. I've already been in. They won't let me in, in now. Refund. Yeah. They won't let people in to can a film just, festival in New York City. Can we just, we have tickets. We have to. We have We have bought tickets in New York City. We won't let people into a film festival in New York City. So, but we need to get back to the story. Yes, we do. Hilaria. Enough of enough of me, Hilaria. So, um, then uh, flash forward. Flash forward, you know, to Christmas. Yes, and I uh, think probably what happened, maybe how this all started, was a lot of people because of the lockdown, because they weren't able to go home. Some people were isolated and were isolated too much with yes. the social medias, and they started doing a bit of digging and a bit of investigation. Well, I suppose it helps if. if if you're, I mean, her, she made a number of errors, right? She had five children. That's I think, not an error. No, it's not an error. But in the eyes of the liberals who attacked her and who are on, this is, this is liberal, this is blue on blue violence, by the way. This is liberal on liberal violence. No conservative broke this story. Apart from marrying Alik Baldwin, she's famous for uh, losing baby weight, having five children and losing baby weight and posing in lingerie. Uh, six weeks after posing giving... in lingerie a lot of times in the kitchen which is a bit out there for me by the way but yes. anyway I think a lot of women would be a little bit jealous now of yes. Ilaria so, who is able to have babies like just every time she thinks of it she has five children but the really br brilliant trick is she goes from being super super pregnant to two weeks later being super super slim yes which is which is a good trick yes but if you're uh, bitter and twisted uh, it's a it's it kind of rankles on you we think that might have been what happened and so she made the mistake then of uh, Amy Schumer made a joke about her posing in lingerie. She didn't get the joke and thought she would take on Amy Schumer. So the Amy Schumer stands, they, they, they who, who probably don't celebrate Christmas uh, because they're atheists and uh, godless, uh, were sitting on their sofa over, uh, over Christmas and they brought all this together. And basically it's all a delusional lie, uh, the Spanish past, her Spanish uh, life. Her Spanish birth, everything is a delusional lie. I mean, her, her name is Hillary Thomas. Hil she, Hillary Thomas. Her, and she, she is from Boston, and she's not just from Boston. Her mother is from Boston four generations at back. At least. But it's much worse than that. Her father is so Bostonian, he's so waspish, he's so New Englandish, that he actually can trace his family back from before the Revolutionary he's, Wars. He's, he's, a, he's a colonialist, actually. Basically, these are Whitey McWhite people. They're the whitest people 
to the word that the, made the, the word white was de, was defined for them. Yes. So I think what might have happened to her was she woke up one day and thought, oh God, I'm so white, I need to not yeah. be white anymore. So what yeah, happened well, then? Well, a white yoga teacher from Boston isn't going to get on the Today Show. Like they're not, they're not. Probably not. But Espanol, who, who grew up a, a, almost a pure native on an island in Spain. In an island, I never saw television. Never saw television. What is, why are these, mo- what are these moving pictures? Barcelona. It's like, it's like Magda's child. What is that moving picture in the corner? Barcelona. Let's go. Actually, Magda's child could marry Alec Baldwin's son. Uh, uh, no. Alec Baldwin's don't daughter, even, sorry. Don't even. No, don't no, because they both, they both have never seen a television. They both have a history of never seen a television. Let's move on, Phelan. <laughs> what? So, so the, I think the point, actually, the big point that you're making here about her as well is that the media gave her great coverage. This yes. is, so this has all come out. This has all come out, right? That she, I mean, it, it, that she's the whitest of the whitest people. And this thing of, oh, what's the English word for that? It's, it's fake. The Spanish accent is fake. The, I was born in Spain. It's all fake, fake, fake. Her parents moved to Spain. In 2011. When she was 29. Nine years ago. They moved to Spain nine years ago. They so, kind of, they went to Spain on a holiday and they thought, isn't this lovely here? Now, so in, why wouldn't we live here In his defense, the father has been a Spanophile uh, for a while, right? But, and she does say she... Doesn't make you born in, doesn't make you born in Spain, though. It doesn't make you Spanish, uh, you know, to, to re-quote... Uh, Wellington was it? I, I, just, he was born in Dublin, and people said he was Irish. It's, I, just because I'm born in a stable doesn't make me a horse. Oh, so she's very upset, by the way, and she yes. went on Instagram and had a whole meltdown. Yes. So, but, that- but but this is a story about media malpractice too, and media uh, in the thrall of celebrity, but also the Alec Baldwin is a very very powerful person because he he kind of controls Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. He controls a lot of the New York media. He has friends on all the me- the, the TV shows. Uh, he, he got her on. He says he got her on the Today program because he knows the producer. I mean, he he's his tentacles are ever. He's also uh, Hollywood as well and Democratic politics. He's very very powerful. And so here's NBC's headline after his after Alec Baldwin's wife is found to have faked faked her her background, faked her Spanish name, faked her accent, um, and she goes. Hilaria Baldwin defends Spanish name amid questions over evolving accent and previous name of Hillary. No, Hilaria Baldwin is a is, fake. Is being accused of being a fake, right? And you know, here's E News, right? Entertainment News. A lot of people get their news from Entertainment News, you know. And the quote is, "Leave me alone. I'm not doing anything wrong by being me." And then E News says. Hilaria Baldwin shared a passionate response after someone on Twitter accused her of faking her Spanish accent. Yeah, and by the way, you know, someone did not accuse her on Twitter of of faking her Spanish accent. Someone accused her on Twitter of being a grifter, of making money by pretending to be Spanish. And then someone on Instagram did one of the best pieces of investigative journal. Actually, it's not a great, but it's really comprehensive. You see, the problem was Tracy Morrissey on Instagram. The problem is that her parents are you know, are people in their own right, very highly uh, accomplished, accomplished academics. White people. So all you got to do is look them up on the internet. And of course, they have their bios there. And there's even video of them making speeches saying how white they are. Yes. I don't mean that, but basically saying we've, our, our family have lived in Boston forever and a day. Yes. So it just went on and on and on. And it, uh, the headlines are just incredible. Yeah, there's, this is The Cut, which is a branch of the New York magazine. Very respectable. Unpacking the drama around Hilaria Baldwin's accent. No, it's unpacking the fraud. Yeah. You know, and, and you heard Alec Baldwin say, my wife is Spanish. Did Alec know? And when did he know it? Yeah. Or if he didn't know, what's going to happen? And, you know, there's Vanity Fair. Hilaria Baldwin's very public journey to declaring, yes, I am a white girl. 
And then after a long simmering Twitter controversy about the authenticity of her Spanish accent, the yoga instructor, yoga instructor. L- l- issued a lengthy statement. Her husband, Alec Baldwin, also came to her defense and so- on social media. Look, it's not about her accent. People can have accents. You know, I know someone who, if they go to Northern Ireland for a week, they come back with a, a Northern Ireland accent. I know someone, you know, people pick up intonations and inflections of speech sometimes. But what you don't pick up is suddenly deciding that you were born in in Spain and that you're actually Spanish. And I mean, there's certain conversations that I'm kind of curious about. I mean, what must have happened at the wedding when when Alec Baldwin eventually met her parents and realized that they were Whitey McWhite and Mr. and Mrs. Whitey McWhite? It's very hard to understand. It's it's kind of extraordinary the whole story. But we've gotten a lot of joy, and in, we've got a lot of joy out of it over no, the colonies. That's we've... who that's who we are. Yes. So this is a really sad story, and sa- actually, it's sad and it's angering. Actually, the New York Times infuriating. So the headline in the New York Times was a racial slur, a viral video, and a reckoning. And by the time I'm finished telling you this story, I think that that wouldn't be the headline that you might choose to have on this story. So here's the New York Times. A white high school student withdrew from her chosen college after a three-second video caused an uproar online. The classmate who shared it publicly has no regrets. So here's the story. A guy called Jimmy Galligan was in history class last school year and his phone buzzed with a message. Once he clicked on it, he found a three-second video of a white classmate looking into the camera and uttering an anti-black racial slur. Now, basically, the word she used is used in every rap song that was basically ever written. And it's, it's one of those regular things that people say. By the way, the girl at the time, this is four years ago, she was 15 when this happened, and she had just gotten her driver's license, and she made one of these quick TikTok videos. But what's really extraordinary about this story is that this video was sent to this boy, Jimmy Galligan, who knew this girl. And by the way, on Twitter, and I'm not, you know, I don't not 100% trust everything on Twitter, but there are lots of photographs purportedly of him and her together, like as friends and stuff, that they were in the sort of, in a sort of a large friend group together. Um, so that he knew her, he knew her well and whatever. And he decided when he got the video, it made him very angry. He decided he'd keep it. They keep it and he'd do something with it when the time was right, when the time was apropos, when he could use it effectively. And he did. And so he held on to the video, which was sent to him by a friend, and he made the decision that he would that he that he, that he would keep it, as I said. I and here's the quote from this guy. Here's the quote, and by the way, as I said, the New York Times thinks this is a great story about this young man. I wanted to get her where she would understand the severity of that word. And the word is the N-word, of course. Mr. Galligan, 18, whose mother is black and father is white, said the classmate who uttered the slur, Mimi Groves is her name, um, he took the video away, deciding to post it publicly when the time was right, right? So time moves on, and of course, time moves on. And what's interesting then is, as time moves on, we have the George Floyd killing, right? And we have that summer of violence. In the midst of that, this white girl, this young white girl, Miss Groves, wrote on her public Instagram, urging people, protest, donate, sign a petition, rally, do something in support of Black Lives Matter. That's what that girl did, independent of everything, off her own, off her own bat. And by the way, I should mention that just prior to that as well, she, had been, um, she was accepted into the University of Tennessee, Knoxville, as a ch- to the cheerleading team. 
And it's not just any cheerleading team because the Knoxville, Tennessee cheerleading team are the national champions, which means she's obviously extremely athletic. So this Miss Groves had been accepted onto that team. So all her dreams had come true. It was just amazing. And just again, remember, she had urged people to support Black Lives mm-hmm. Matter, to donate, to do whatever you could. Then somebody wrote to her that she doesn't know and said, you have the audacity to post this after saying the N-word. By the way, saying the N-word four years previously. And when she saw that, <coughs> she was quite alarmed. Um, and then, it, it turned out Galligan had posted it and uh, it had gone viral. <coughs> Snapchat, Twitter, uh, all of those places. And uh, over the next two days, Miss Groves was removed from the university's cheer team. She then withdrew from the school under pressure from admissions uh, officials. From the, the admissions officials. Yeah, so the admissions officials, apparently, they can't, they, can't, they can't expel you for free speech, but they can make it, they can make it so they, mean, they make you, force you to... to yeah. So that's why she withdrew. They made it so hard for her to be there. And, you know, even the officials said that people are angry and they want to see some action. Uh, how about this action, officials at the University of Knoxville? You know, piss off uh, <coughs> yeah. people who are bullying a girl who, who is 18 now and who made this remark when she's 14 or 15. Uh, you know, is there no, by the way, is there no parole in this? Is there no, I mean, you, you know, you see all these uh, social, criminal justice uh, oh, yeah. warriors, you know, oh, people should get out and sentences should be reduced yeah. and, you know, the sentence should fit the crime. I mean, is there no, how long do you have to carry this? Yeah, well, she, she has certainly lost her place in the dream that she had has been taken away. Mr. Galligan, by the way, in the meantime, has begun his freshman year at Vanguard University in California. Miss Groves has enrolled in online classes at a nearby community college. Um, for his role, but this is how the story yeah. ends. And I just, I just wanted to bring this to people's attention if you had missed this, because what an awful Terrible. thing to be celebrated. But here's how Mr. Galligan speaks. He has no regrets. If I never posted that video, nothing would have ever happened, he said. And because the internet will never forget, the clip will always be available to watch. I'm going to remind myself, you started something, he said with satisfaction. You taught someone a lesson. And by the way, back in the day, I'm old enough to remember when teaching someone a lesson like that was frowned upon. And in fact, what a proper education system would have done would have been absolutely to have admonished the girl for the horrible use yeah. of the N-word, but they would equally admonish the boy for trying to destroy someone's life for a mistake they made, which by the way, apparently, from everything I've read about her, was completely uncharacteristic of her, and she is not a racist. You know, she in fact, if anything, in a totally separate context, had urged people to support BLM. So it's a horrible story, and it just shows the way the New York Times are. They're delighted. They're delighted. Yeah. They've destroyed a white girl's life. Bully for them. Yeah. Anyway, talking about white girls, Greta Thunberg is 18 film. Greta Thunberg. Tell me about Greta Thunberg. Greta Thunberg. Because I really need to know about Greta Thunberg. Because I this really is a very short. I'm, this is a very short moment mention here. But Greta Thunberg is, is has become 18. By the way, if ever you needed to know that, and of course, by the way, the Guardian are all extraordinarily interested in that, and they've decided, you know, to ask her what she thinks about things, and she's basically said that I'm not going to be telling anyone what to do, she says. There's a risk when you are vocal about these things and don't practice as you preach. Then you will become criticised for that and what you're saying won't be taken seriously. Oh, in other words, in other words um, she, she wants to... I see at the start, she's not buying clothes. 
and she wants to go on long flights. She wants to probably have children. She wants to buy clothes. She wants to do normal things, right? Yes. That make you a human and being. And now it's becoming back to, to haunt her a bit. You know, she says in the, in the interview with them, I don't think it's selfish to have children. Oh, well, bully for you, Greta. Thanks, yeah. for, <laughs> thanks for that, you know. But I love this thing of like, you know, she really doesn't want, you know, she really basically doesn't want to preach to people. I'm not going to be telling people Can what I to do. Can I just say something? So when, when she was under 18, she was sort of immune from criticism because she was a child. How dare you criticise a child? Yeah, this? yeah. Uh, but the, but the, the Miss Groves from the previous story, uh, she can be, her life can be ruined for something she did when she was 14 or 15. Oh, so yeah. you can criticise children. It's just... Uh, it depends what, it depends the, what side some, of the Some of them are more protected than others. It depends others. what political side of the, of the, of the aisle they What's are. The next and story? we just have a quick look at Greta Thunberg because she says she doesn't want to tell people what to do. Here's what she sounds like uh, normally. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. And yet, I'm one of the lucky ones. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. And all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? Yeah, I think she's a little bit judgmental, to be honest. Yeah. Okay, and then one more story that I really wanted to get to was, um, again, this is from the Wall Street Journal, but it's been everywhere on Twitter. There's a new organization out there, and you'll see it. It's got hashtag disrupt texts. Yeah. And basically, it's a sustained effort underway to deny children access to literature. Under the slogan, disrupt texts, critical theory ideologues, school teachers and Twitter agitators <coughs> are purging and, and propagandizing against classic text, everything from Homer to F. Scott Fitzgerald. So yeah, so the Wall Street Journal you know, points out that the, the children shouldn't, ha this group says children shouldn't have to read anything other than is written in the present day vernacular. Vernacular. Yeah, in which racism, sexism, ableism, anti-Semitism and other forms are hate or the norm. Yeah, you, know, that, you can't be reading about that. In other words, you can't read about history. You can't read anything i mean it's just it's madness it's madness and they have a quote here from a novelist from a young adult novelist novelist padma venkatraman who writes in school library journal and they quote from him absolving shakespeare of responsibility by mentioning that he lived at a time when hate-ridden sentiments prevailed risks sending a subliminal message that academic excellence outweighs hateful rhetoric yeah. Well, God, this is, these, by the way, what's really scary about all of this, and we're going to give a few examples that they had in the Wall Street Journal article, is these are the people who are teaching your children. Yes. These are the people who are in public schools across America. Get them out. So no. the Seattle English teacher, tell yes. them about the Seattle well, English yeah, teacher. So the Scarlet Letter has now been banned uh, because, you know, it's, 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 it's about misogyny and slut shaming. And then there was a young adult author. Uh, Jessica Clues, she attacked the lady and said, you can't be, a, uh, you can't be a, a, an educator. Uh, if you think you know, Hawthorne was on the side of the judgmental Puritans, he was actually on the side of the woman. And uh, she says, you're an absolute idiot and should not have the title of educator in your Twitter bio. Oh, and I'm she, sure nothing happened to her. She was then accused of racism and violence and her publisher has dropped her. She's dropped Even her. though she apologised, yeah. she shouldn't have apologised. No. Because what she said was correct. She's now lost her publisher. She's now ruined. She's now been cancelled. 
And that's what happens. And that's what happens. So what we watched over Christmas that we would recommend, because uh, so my father used to always say, why don't they make nice films anymore? Films. Films. And uh, I used to think, oh God, you know, whatever. But now that I've grown up, um, I actually, I'm mad for new, I just love the idea of a nice film. And there's so few films that aren't woke, that aren't horrible, that aren't making you stressed and unhappy. And I have to say, we found this one film on Amazon Prime called... The Secret Dare to Dream. Apparently, by the way, it's based on a book. We haven't read the book, let's be honest about that. It stars Katie Holmes and Josh Lucas. Mom, I'm expecting a call from the bank. Bray Johnson. Miranda Wells. There goes my deductible. Don't waste your insurance on this. Why is he taking your bumper? Because he's offered to come over to fix it. You're letting him follow us home? Your thoughts attract things with a force that you cannot see, but is definitely real. Okay, this is me thinking about pizza. Don't look at me. I can't afford a new roof. Let me help. Why are you helping me? Oh, because I can. I don't understand what's happening here. I think you and I collided for a reason. What's it say? I've been dreaming that one fine day. Mom, what happened to the bumper? Karma. Or maybe he's just a lousy driver. There's a better day coming. And as I said, it's on Amazon Prime. And we loved it. Yes. And it's really, really nice. It's a really nice movie, basically. But it's interesting, <clears throat> after we watched it... Josh Lucas is a bit, bit Buddhist in the, in the beginning. But he actually, he, 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 I warmed up to him after That's very nice. So, but basically... Um, I decided to check what Rotten Tomatoes had to say about it. And, it's, and look, at here's the, we're putting this up on yeah. the screen So here. the critics, uh, this is a classic. Actually, Adam Carolla made this point. The best movies have these, um, the best movies have these ratios on yes. Rotten Tomatoes. So basically, the critics hated it, but audiences loved it. So 73% of audiences loved it. And 27% of critics thought it you know, basically... No, sorry, it's a 27% rating with of, critics yes. and a 73% rating with audiences. Exactly. So Adam Carolla says, when the audiences love it and the critics hate it, you know it's a great movie. Yeah. And that you know, is the, the secret about like, the secret. It's almost like um, a way of finding movies that you might yes. like by going on Rotten Tomatoes and find out what the critics hated. Anyway, we're coming to the end of the show and it has been pretty, a bit of a long show, but we wanted, we wanted to bring you our latest thought. We're trying to, we're, of course, it's a new year. We're trying to be healthy. We want to try and eat properly. And we heard about this idea of doing overnight oats. Yes. So we did yesterday and we're going to complete them today. So let's so, have a look at what we did yesterday yeah. first. So, Phelan, what did you do there? I think I took a cup of oats and put it into a jam jar. and then I think I, it was a half a cup of oats. Oh, was it a half Yes, it was a half a cup of your oats <laughs> into... What are those, what are those two, measurements? So, the, you should, the jam jars you should use, use for this should be two, cu two cup measure jam jars. Yeah. Go on ahead, Phelan. And then we added, I think, one teaspoon into each of... Chaya seeds. Chaya seeds. Perhaps too much. Maybe. Let's see. We're going to eat. Them. We're going to eat. Have a little eating in a minute yes. because we basically left them overnight. What else do we put in there? Then we put in some raisins, I think, yes, and we put in some prunes, prunes that we'd cut off as well. And then we're going to put some yogurt on the top. We're going to maybe put a little bit of yogurt on the top, but also we're going to add some nuts and some nice uh, fresh berries and maybe even a couple of slices of banana. And apparently it's very nice, but uh, you will see us consuming that and we will give you a thumbs up, thumbs down when we get to eat that. So we've come to the end of the show. Again, can we just say thank you again to everyone who stepped forward. First of all, thank you to our very kind and generous donor who gave us the $25,000 mm -hmm. in the first place. 
and then for the people who turned up and matched that $25,000 and then some. We're very, very grateful to you. We're hoping that 2021 is a much better year for everyone than 2020. Um, and we look forward to, to being with you and, and to our big new project. Can I just say the recipe for the overnight oats it will be on it'll the, be up on the it'll on, be on the site on the website the unreported story society.com so go there for the recipe thanks bye, bye.